Thank you, Hannah and Paul. <clears throat> One of the stanzas in that great song was down on my, down on my uh, knees, uh, I've learned to stand. And what a powerful statement. It's good to be here this morning, and uh, what a blessing. The weather has really turned that wonderful fall weather that we all enjoy. And I know there's probably a lot of happy deer hunters uh, as of yesterday, and uh, it is good to be assembled in the house of the Lord and have the opportunity to worship together, have fellowship with him and with one another. It is good to be here this morning. I was glad when they said, the psalmist said, I was glad when they said, let us go to the house of the Lord uh, to give thanks and worship him. Uh, just want to mention to you very quickly, uh, on the bulletin, it says uh, uh, October birthdays, but we're in November. So these are November birthdays and November anniversaries. So uh, pay attention to that. And Mark and Linda Bendix and their grandparents now, too. I don't know if you saw that. They had a granddaughter born to them, and what a blessing. So there's a lot to be thankful for. I do want to mention, uh, our, it's not here, but it's coming up. Christmas Eve, we're going to have a great uh, service here. We're having a skit, and Don Kennebrink and Tammy and Lindsay Robertson, 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 um, I always get that messed up. They're, they're coordinating all that. So if you're interested in serving for our Christmas Eve program, uh, contact Tammy, Dawn, or Lindsay, and so that uh, that's going to be a blessing. Good to see Carmen this morning, and she's had a scare, and she's certainly been in our prayers, and I know the ladies in the Bible class mission uh, got us started a good work there, and we're just glad to see you back in church Sunday morning, and uh, amen, regaining your health, and this version will come back better and stronger, huh? Amen, and uh, we need to continue do what? Amen. I, <laughs> yeah. So uh, is Lorna Pelton, is she still trying to heal and get stronger and continue to pray for Lorna? Kayleen's here this morning. Larry Estes uh, struggling uh, as well. And he's trying, they're doing some, um, he's trying to get some more information and testing and procedures. And hopefully we get some good answers uh, for that as well. I think we have four Christmas boxes left, four or five. They need to be back. You'll get an email this week. Uh, they need to be back by November 21st because we're going to deliver them. I'll deliver those to the Fairview Baptist Church. Where they kinda, it's where they uh, launch from the Brazos Valley area, certainly Bryan College Station. So then we have five left. Uh, this, see, the walkers mentioned to me this morning, and I didn't know, ignorance on my part. They asked that you put $9 with the box or include $9 for the shipping. Um, and so uh, what we've decided is just put that $9 in the box. When you bring them back, just put the $9 in the box. If you can, if you can't, uh, the church will uh, certainly cover that cost. So we just have five left. We've got till November 21st. And then the last thing is our men's breakfast. We didn't uh, have it yesterday, and that's been really well attended, but we didn't have that yesterday because of the opening uh, weekend of, of deer season. But we will, our men's breakfast will be. Uh, this Saturday on the 13th. You'll get the usual phone call, text, email, all that stuff. So uh, I want to ask you to open your Bibles to Colossians chapter 1, and then uh, the just from our scripture reading this morning, go two places, Galatians chapter 5. So I mentioned over the last two weeks that if you read the first 12 verses of the book of Colossians, something becomes very evident. Here's the reality of your salvation, my salvation, our salvation. 
Uh, Romans in chapter 5, Paul writes that the love of God has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. So that's just true. It doesn't happen any other way. It's the love of God pouring into our heart through the Holy Spirit. If you have the love of God in you, that is the act of the Holy Spirit, okay? Uh, When you read the second chapter of the book of Acts, when Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost and he preached that first and great gospel sermon and the fulfillment of Jesus' statement in Matthew 16, he told Peter, I'm going to build a church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. That church was established on Pentecost 2,000 years ago at the, through the preaching of uh, Peter's sermon. And uh, at the end of his preaching, the people that were assembled, many, 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 many thousands, they said there were some of them that, that they were cut to the heart and uh, their heart was pierced and they said, what must we do? He finished the sermon. He said, men of Israel, be sure of this one thing, this Jesus of Nazareth, you crucified him, you killed him. And their hearts were pierced and they cried out, what must we do? And Peter's admonition was, each of you repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so prior to that, that was not available to humanity. But through the preaching of Jesus Christ, through his birth, his life, his death, his burial and his resurrection, The day of Pentecost, the church was established, the called out, the assembled, the sanctified. And through the preaching of the word, people's hearts were pierced. And the promise was the fulfillment of Scripture that the Holy Spirit is indeed a promise, that we get sealed with the Holy Spirit. We get the gift of the Holy Spirit. It dwells within us. It's been poured into our hearts Uh, God's love through the Holy Spirit. And so if you're a Christian, if you're a Christian, all of those things have happened. If your heart has been pierced because the preaching and the teaching and the movement of God through his word, and you have cried out to the Lord, and you've been obedient to scripture, you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And God has poured it through his love, into your heart. And I mentioned over the last two weeks, it's very difficult for us. We're in the flesh. This body, this rotting, decaying body is flesh. And as long as we're alive as a Christian, we're going we're gonna to struggle between the Holy Spirit that God has given us, this gift, and our flesh. And uh, Paul described it in his own struggle in Romans chapter 7. John and 1 John writing to Christians about their sin, our sin, my sin, your sin. He says, if we say that, if Christians say that we've not sinned, we lie the truth and the truth is not in us. If we say we haven't sinned, we make God out to be a liar. Christians sin. And our struggle is in this flesh that's dying and rotting and decaying, In contrast to that, I have been given the Holy Spirit of God through the love of God. And so all the days of my life until I die, I'm going to have a struggle between my flesh, the earthly things, the desires of my heart, which cannot be, the desires of my eyes can't be fulfilled. Scripture says that. And then the Holy Spirit of God that is in me. 
And in fact, the scripture says we can grieve the Holy Spirit. And so in this study of Colossians, these first 12 verses are the evidence. Paul wrote them, but these words have echoed for 2,000 years from his handwriting and his voice and the love of God that is in him and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is inspired by God. So these first 12 verses in this introductory statement to the Colossians, Paul's a prison prisoner, there is what I call a spiritual domino effect. In other words, you've seen the dominoes and you line them up and you hit one and boom, 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 boom. This is a, this is a spiritual recipe beginning from A and going all the way through the alphabet, the spiritual alphabet of that domino effect of the evidence of the Holy Spirit. You can hear it in his words. You can see it in his words. But then the important thing then in these words, in this introductory statement, is to measure yourself. Measure yourself. Now, I asked the kids this morning, uh, and, and I, they, they are uh, far better, they're in far better shape than I was when I was their age, mentally, emotionally, all those things. Uh, so I asked them, and I want to challenge you this morning. We're really only going to focus on one verse this morning. If, if you were to be really, 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 really honest with yourself and you were to journal this and you would say, what is increasing in my life? What is increasing? Um, just give you some examples. Uh, maybe anger. Anger is increasing in your life. You find yourself increasingly angry or sadness or depression. Um, those things can increase in our life. Maybe your bank account is increasing. Maybe your joy is increasing. Maybe your belt line is increasing. Uh, but something is always increasing in our life. Something is increasing, good and or bad. Contrast to that, what is decreasing in your life? What is becoming less? Take some time. Do it right now. Just do a spiritual assessment, a physical assessment, an emotional assessment. Do that assessment. Do an intellectual, physical, emotional, and spiritual assessment. What's increasing in your life? What's decreasing in your life? Stress? Is it increasing or decreasing? Your joy, your sadness, your anger, anything. Physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. Now, let's read the text. Colossians. Chapter 1, verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ, in Christ who are in Colossae, uh, grace to you and peace from God our Father. Now, I had mentioned, if you go back to this outline that's in your, in your uh, handout here, that this evidence of the Holy Spirit that guides and leads us and convicts us, number one domino, the one that starts to push all the others down, if you're doing a spiritual assessment, and you're just, okay, what's increasing and decreasing in my life? The most important thing that has to be, it's got to be, you've got to start here. You cannot start here. Is you have to know who you are of by the will of. Most of us, most of our lives, we're of me by my will. And we are. I'm of me by my will. I used to say when I was young and foolish and full of myself and, and uh, thought I was something, and whether it was in the rodeo arena or just wherever, I used to say, I'm going to do what I want, when I want, the way I want. And I thought that was funny. I look back at that now, and I think, what a foolish statement. How arrogant. 
But I can tell you what was increasing in me was my own sense of self and arrogance. I was full of myself. And so contrast that to a Christian that is of God, by, of Jesus Christ by the will of God. Verse 1. Changes everything. You, will, you can't reset the spiritual dynamics of your life until you begin to determine everything in your life. I am of Jesus Christ by the will of God. Now, spiritual assessment, starting point, first domino, number one. To the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, we are always, always doing what? We're giving something, maybe good or bad, and we're offering ourselves to someone or something good or bad. This is what we do. We offer ourselves and we give of ourselves. The challenge, spiritual or something else. Okay? Uh, continue reading. So, I'll go back to verse 4. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you just as in all the world, also it is constantly bearing fruit and increasing, even as it has been doing in you also since the day you heard of it and understood the grace of God and truth. going to read verse 6 again. This is this morning's lesson. Which has come to you which has come to you what? The hope laid up for you in heaven, verse 5, which has come to you just as in all the world, also it is constantly bearing fruit and increasing, even as it been, has been doing in you also since the day you heard of it and understood the grace of God in truth. What's increasing in your life? What's decreasing in your life? A man, a woman in the flesh uh, with the gift of the Holy Spirit, sealed, promised. Um, if you look at the outline last week, there's a determiner in this introductory uh, statement, and it has to do with our hearing. And I mentioned last week, from your mother's womb until the day we die, um, our life is a culmination of everything we've heard. If you hear anger, and you hear depression, and you hear whatever, it's going to culminate in the person that you are. Now, you and I have a choice about what we hear. And this first section of Scripture, the word heard and heard and heard is used over and over again. Heard of your faith, verse 4. Um, heard in the word of truth, the gospel, verse 5. Verse 6 now again, uh, they had heard something. They'd heard something. And what they had heard about was, here's that spiritual domino having to do with hope, is that something's supposed to be happening to you as a Christian that's supposed to be on the increase, bearing fruit and increasing. So it's just difficult um, living in the flesh in a dark world, it's difficult. And then to be a Christian, um, a spiritual person in a dark world, somebody that is given the gift of the Holy Spirit, um, it's difficult. And our, we're constantly at war with the world around us, ourselves, um, 
And there's this, it's a, it's a barometer. It's a, it's, it's a challenge. And so when you read this, don't miss the significance of it. Now go back to Galatians. It's that great passage about the deeds of the flesh versus the fruits of the Spirit. Now, this lesson is as personal as it can get uh, to you and I in where we're at in our walk with God as Christians. If you're a Christian, you say, I'm a Christian, okay? I'm a Christian. I'm a believer. I'm a follower, okay? Tell me about your struggles. Well, my marriage, my work, my health, my finances, whatever it is, my mental state of being, whatever it is. There's a standard here, and I'm going to just read verse 16 of chapter 5 until we get to these fruits of the Spirit. So Paul, talking about the freedom that we have in verse 14 as a Christian, he says, but I say walk by the Spirit. I li- he says, I say live by the Spirit, and you'll not carry out the desire of the flesh. Wait a second. So I'm in struggle with my flesh, and Paul says, walk by the Spirit, live by the Spirit, and I won't carry out the desire of my flesh. So again, the struggle is illustrated. I'm the one who wishes to do good. I find that I can. I find that the spiritual of this, this, the evidence of evil is in me. The principle of evil is in me. I can't do this. And Paul says, yeah, you can. Walk by the Spirit, and you won't carry out the desires of the flesh. Well, that just seems, well, that's a nice statement, but I'm not having a lot of luck with that. So, and then he says, Verse 17, for the flesh such as desire against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. I get that. That's where I'm at. For these are in opposition to one another so that you may not do the things that you please. So he's described the struggle. I have the Holy Spirit. I'm living in the flesh. Just walk by the flesh. I don't know if you guys remember this. I cannot. I always think of this. Remember, it was a Saturday night, a Saturday night live skit. I haven't watched that in years and years and years. But I don't know, 20 years ago, those of you that are old enough, you remember the skit that they had in there where Bob Newhart was the actor? And uh, he was a psychologist, uh, a psychiatrist, and they, they always had a little skit. And they did it several times over the years, and somebody would come in, and he was in the psychologist or the psychiatrist desk there, and, and one of the people said, well, I'm having a problem. And he said, well, tell me about your problem. And the person would start telling him the problem. Well, I'm having a problem. And before they finished, he said, but he would say, I can fix it. Now, I can fix this. I can fix it. I'm only going to charge you $5. I think that was his fee. And the person would start talking about the problem. And uh, Bob Newhart would say, stop it. Huh? Yeah, but no, no, stop it. Go ahead and tell me. And he'd say, stop it. And it was... It was humorous, but it's almost exactly what's being said here. You know, we, we got a problem. I got a problem. It's overwhelming me. I can't seem to get a handle of it. And Paul says, stop it. Stop, quit, just quit living by the flesh, walk by the Spirit, and you won't carry out the desires of the flesh. Don't you wish it was just that easy? Because something's fixing to happen right here. He doesn't just tell you. Stop it. Don't do this. He tells you how to fix it. 
You leave here today, whatever your struggle is between the flesh and the spirit that God has given you if you're a Christian, there's no escaping this truth here, that you are absolutely 100% responsible for. No one else is responsible. No one. And not only do, are you responsible for where you're at in this struggle, it's, this is bulletproof. Because everything that is spiritual in you, greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world, is evidenced in this statement. Let's just continue to read. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you'll not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. You, that Old Testament law, it, it was spiritual. If you read the book of Romans, Genesis, uh, all the way through the entire Old Testament, Genesis through Malachi, the whole book. It's the law. It's the Torah. It's the word of God, okay? And, and Paul writes to the Romans that it's good. The law is good and it's spiritual. But the thing that the law ultimately does, it convicts us and condemns us. There's just no way out of it. I can't keep the law. I just can't do it. But it's good and it's spiritual, but it condemns me. And he's saying, if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under that law anymore. You don't have to worry about the law. You don't have to worry about the 600 plus laws in the book of Leviticus. You don't have to worry about the Ten Commandments. Because if you're being led by the Spirit, you don't have to worry about it. You're not under. You cannot be convicted or condemned according to the law. Nice stuff. Good. That's where I want to be. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now, the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality. Immorality, that always has to do with sexual, uh, predominantly sexual immorality. And that, boy, if we don't live in a culture that is, Scott Cronauer was just telling me, he worked in the IT deal there at a and and you had, to, what did you do with the computers? What did you do? It was just Bible devotionals, wasn't it? Yeah, no. It's horrible, wasn't it? Yeah, mama's little, yeah, little Johnny and Susie with the computer in your name. Yeah, amen. So, but there it is, immorality, right? Impurity, sensuality, all three of those have to do with our sexual being and the immorality that comes from it. There's the... Boy, you talk about a spearhead in our struggle with the flesh against the Holy Spirit. We live in a sexualized, immoral, sexualized uh, culture. And all you got to do is turn on the TV, watch a sitcom. Uh, it's everywhere. Look at the way people dress, the language they use, the cavalier attitudes towards sexuality in the world that we live in. And even Christians. Even Christians. In fact, what do you think? What was David's motivation? You want a good biblical example of that? In the spring of the year, when kings go out to battle, David stayed home. And he's on the top of his palace, and he looks across the palace, and there's a really beautiful woman. Now, David had access to many wives and concubines, but it wasn't enough. The desires of the eyes cannot be fulfilled. And he sees Bathsheba. 
She's guilty too. The scripture says that David was a man after God's own heart, but he couldn't get enough. He should have bowed in the battlefield. And he looked, what did he see? Bathsheba, got to have her. She's married. That's the problem with that. She gets pregnant. But before that, she's, they have an affair. And so David, man after God's own heart, in his flesh, uh, Uriah the Hittite was her husband. He's considered one of the noble men in Scripture. He's out fighting. He's out fighting. He, he calls him in, and he tries to entice him uh, more than once to go <laughs> sleep with his wife. He's not having any of it. He's too noble. How could I do that? My, my brethren are out fighting. And so David conspires to kill him. What was motivating David was immorality, impurity, and sensuality. A man after God's own heart. And then idolatry. Sorcery, enmities. Idolatry. Listen, we, we don't live in a world of idolatry the way the Old Testament Jews did, worshiping, you know, the Babylonian and the Assyrians and the Ninevites and all of their, their, their God, the Baal or whoever it might be. But we, if we don't live in a country of idols, we don't. If America isn't a country of idols, now we're not necessarily worshiping a carved image but let me tell you, brothers and sisters, and it's rampant in the church, we are full. There's idols at every corner. We, we, we idolize. We've got a, a show that really captivates who we are as Americans. It's called American Idol. So I, I could just, I could preach. I mean, you, you shouldn't, I shouldn't have to elaborate on that. We live in a country, a nation full of idol and what's sad, idol-loving Christians. Well, we don't necessarily see it. And you cannot talk about idolatry unless you talk about sorcery. The two are tied. Enmity, strife, jealousy, outburst of anger, now, disputes, dissensions, factions. I remember a great gospel preacher, Jim Mankin, preaching this a sermon in here many years ago. And he said, you want a description of the body of Christ for 2,000 years? And we were all looking for some kind of, uh, you know, illuminating. He says, I'm going to give you a description, a biblical description of the body of Christ for the last 2,000 years. Enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes and dissensions and factions. He's talking about God's people. Well, you don't think we struggle with this? Flesh versus the spiritual? We're not talking about people outside the church. We're talking about inside the church. People that have been given the gift of the Holy Spirit. What did Gandhi say when he was asked about Christ? He said, I don't have a, a problem with your Christ. It's that bloody thing he drags behind him called the church. My first preaching job was in 1992. And at every church that I've ever been at, some far worse than others, some very minimal, but at some level, there is always in the body of Christ, there is some level of something going on with somebody that has to do with enmity, strife, jealousy, outburst of anger, disputes, dissensions, and factions. Wish it weren't true, but it is. And these are people that are, have been given the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
and then envying, drunkenness, carousing, things like this. Of which I forewarn you, talking to Christians, just as I have forewarned you that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. You're talking to Christians. You're talking to Christians. So, measure yourself. But here's the problem. I'm back to the problem. Now, the answer is very easy. What's on the increase? What's on the decrease? I'm struggling. Holy Spirit, promised, sealed, gifted, indwelling, flesh. Dying, decaying, rotten. Mm. But the fruit of the Spirit. Now, what did he just say? That spiritual domino I was telling you about in Colossians. What did he just say? He said, I heard something. Spiritual hearing always hears and can see the hope that's in all the world that's constantly bearing fruit and increasing. Church, challenge you. Every one of you sitting in a pew this morning, I ask you to do a little assessment of yourself. What is increasing? What is diminishing in your life? Struggle, flesh, spirit. Got Don't have to recap that. The admonition, I say walk by the spirit and you'll not carry out the desire of the flesh. Well, here's how you fix it. I mentioned uh, uh, in Bible class this morning to, uh, and I'm sad that she's not here, to Grace about Barbara Carranza. If you've not had Barbara Kranz's stew, it's just the best stew in the world. And uh, it really is, in my opinion. To me, it is. We have a lot of great cooks here. And uh, I'm sure for her to get that stew to taste as good as it does, and by the way, it's November 7th, and I haven't had a bowl yet. But uh, to get to that point, she's had to do a lot of adding and taking away. Well, I probably need a little more salt. Maybe I need a little bit more of that. Whatever. Got to cook this long. She's figured it out. And she's figured it out, and she knows how to do it, and it's real good, okay? It's bearing fruit, okay? But so when you look at this, Christians who have the gift of the Holy Spirit in you, nothing here is out of the reach. This is a personal assessment point of view. It's very easy to talk about the Holy Spirit in magnanimous ways. Here's the simplicity and the power of the Holy Spirit, the one who's greater in you, who's greater in you than in the world. But it just requires honesty. It just requires honesty. The flesh, the flesh doesn't want you to be honest. The satanic does not want you to be honest. Satan, John chapter 8, uh, the scripture says about Satan, Christ says about Satan, his native tongue is lying. He's the father of all lies. He's deceiving all the time. The last thing that Satan wants you to do is to be on, do an honest assessment of yourself. The first thing the scripture wants you to do is examine yourself in light of this. So here it is. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Is your love increasing or decreasing? Go to 1 Corinthians 13. Love, love is not jealous, it's not envious, it doesn't boast, it holds no record of wrongs. It's kind, it's generous. Ask yourself, in this dark world, in your flesh, given the Holy Spirit, is your love increasing? Unconditional, biblical love. You should be able to answer that. And it's not that you can't do it, 
because you can. Because it won't be you doing it, it'll be the Holy Spirit in you that is doing it. And the Holy Spirit cannot be thwarted. I, had a, I, I just don't believe God. I had a good conversation with Jeff Plotz this week. And Jeff, I can't remember how you said it, but we were talking about just the simplicity of church, simplicity of gossip. Or, or, gosh, yeah, that's simple. Uh, the, the, the gospel. And you said when things are done right, it, you said it cannot be moved. You said it can't be moved. It can't, talking about, go, say it, can't be stopped can't be stopped. If you're, if you're doing church the way God intended you to do church, and so many are not, and we would just do the simplicity, the ministry of the word, singing the hymns. I was at Abilene Christian University years ago in Abilene, and you had the Hardin-Simmons University, and you had the McMurray University, you had the ACU, Abilene Christian University, and you had all these universities with all these PhDs and all these preachers and all these uh, doctors and ministry and all that, and there wasn't a month that went by that somebody was coming up with a more business model way of doing church, man. Got to have the right ambiance and the right property and the right lighting and the right song leader, and you got to have the right, listen, and the preacher's got to have a PhD, and, you gotta, and everybody was always, we got to have the right programs, a single ministry, divorce ministry, got to have all this. And it was all just 20th century, 21st century middle-class business stuff. That's all it was. And, uh, and so they had different speakers at different times, and, and, and at some point, the statement was made. You know what? All you got to do, all you, you want your church to grow? You want the model that worked for, has worked for 2,000 years? You want examples of that, the first 300 years of the body of Christ with no real estate and no property and no uh, PhD preachers and no great lighting systems and all the wonderful, you know what all they had? was the ministry of the word, serving God in truth. You can have the simple, you can just sing the hymns. You don't have to have a projector, but you sing them from your heart, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody in your heart, speaking to one another. Preach the simplicity of the gospel. Take the Lord's Supper. This, the body of Christ has zero, 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 zero to do with the profit and loss statement. Zero. You got church members worried about money, God bless them, go worry about your money. You got church members want to control the environment, the culture of a church through whatever it is they're going to do, go God bless them. You're going to look just like the world. You're always going to have some kind of strife. I'm so thankful that as I think of the simplicity of the gospel and how God adds to those people, and I'm so thankful that what we do is just so simple. Form and function, we're elder-led. Form and function, we just do the preaching. We support those ministries, Matthew 25 ministries, House of Hope, Save Our Streets, all those wonderful ministries, Still Creek. It's just simple. Preach the word, sing the hymns, pray, have spiritual leadership. All the other stuff will take care of itself. But so many times, and what is it based upon? This right here. This, and that first word is love, the fruit of the Spirit. What do you love? Do you love your sense of control? Do you love yourself? Do you love your methods? Do you love whatever it is you think that gives you peace? Or is it the biblical love of the fruit of the Spirit? You can measure that according to the Word of God. You can measure that. 
If your spiritual life in, in the body of Christ and historically has been working on enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, there's no love in that. Measure the two, flesh, Holy Spirit, but it starts right there, fruit of the Spirit, love, what's the set? Joy. Is your joy increasing or decreasing? And what kind of joy? You find joy in the things of this world? I love that hymn, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus, and the things of this world will grow strangely dim. See, anything that's of this earth or satanic, is, it's a temporary joy. You, that joy is limited and temporary, and you'll never get enough. And I'm just going to run from one joyful event to the next. Biblical spiritual joy is deep, it's abiding, it's you can't move it. It's the kind of joy like that Paul would say as a prisoner as he wrote to Philippians, I've learned the secret to be content in every circumstance, whether I have or I don't have. Joseph learned it in an Egyptian prison, what man intended for evil, God intended for good. Job, you see it in Job in the first chapter, he loses everything, and what does he do? He falls down and worships God. Spiritual joy unspeakable joy. Is yours increasing or decreasing? Is it limited to the events in your life that feed your flesh? Oh, I'm having joy now. My flesh is being fed. Or is it spiritual joy? What's the next one? Peace. Jesus is called, Isaiah 9, wonderful counselor, prince of peace. A child is going to be born to us. Isaiah wrote it 600 years before it happened. A child's going to be born to us. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. He says that he'll give you a peace that surpasses understanding. Is your peace increasing or decreasing? If it's decreasing, you are not, your flesh is not getting filled enough with the things that you're going to find peace in. I'll find peace if I have enough money. I'll find peace if I've married the right person. I'll find peace if things are going the way that I think they should go. I'll find peace if I live here. No, 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 no. Nothing will ever be good. But if your peace is founded on the Holy Spirit truth of Jesus Christ and Him crucified, you'll find peace in any situation. You'll even find peace in your travails. You'll be able to mirror what James said in 1 Peter. Count it all joy, brethren, when you encounter various trials and persecutions because God is doing something. Are you increasing or decreasing in that area? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there's no law. I've gone way too long this morning. So I'm not going to even elaborate on the rest of this. I think if you get the love and the joy and the peace now, the rest of it just falls. There's that domino effect again. I read these words and they challenge me. If, if my love and my joy and my peace are not increasing in my relationship with Tammy, that's my fault. That's my fault. That's my fault. And the reason it's my fault is because God did save me according to his word. And when he saved me and my heart was pierced, 
His love was poured into my heart through the Holy Spirit. And I repented of my sins. I cried out, dear Lord God Almighty, have mercy on me, a sinner. And I longed for him and his word and his way. I hope you've had the same experience. And then I've struggled with my flesh. But I can never look God in the eye and blame the lack of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control on Tammy or on my mom or dad or on my ex-husband or wife or my employer. You just do the list because that's what we do. Because when I do that, I've said this, the Holy Spirit's not enough. Because it won't be you increasing the love and joy and peace and patience in you. It'll be the Holy Spirit. And when I say that my love only has this limit and my peace, I can't, and the joy has been snuffed out, what I have said is the Holy Spirit is not enough. And what I have said is that my flesh controls me and not the Holy Spirit. That's the problem with the body of Christ today. That's why Christian marriages are falling apart and Christian homes are dividing and Christian churches are dividing. It's the truth. It's just the truth. So I want you to challenge yourself this morning. And I want you to look at this list. And I want you to do what the list demands that you and I do. The list demands that you look at yourself and you measure yourself. Flesh, spirit, increasing, decreasing. Because Paul had heard from the Colossians about the Colossians. That because of the hope laid up for them in Jesus Christ. They'd been heard throughout the world that there they were bearing fruit and it was increasing. I will tell you with great joy in my heart, I believe without exception, he who has ears to hear, let him hear, and he who has eyes to see, let him see. I believe with all of my heart that very nature and culture is establishing itself here at the Zion Church Curtain. I believe that. I look at the people that God is adding to this church and, and I see fruit-bearing, increasing fruit-bearing people that God is adding to this church. And it's helped me as a preacher. really has. Examine yourself this morning. Look at the list. Think about it. Is this increasing? And if it's not, why? Let's pray. Father in heaven, just thank you. Um, you always keep your promise, and your promise was that you would seal us with your Holy Spirit. You always keep your promise. And Father, we're thankful that you saw fit through your love to fill us with your Holy Spirit. And I'm so thankful, Father, that we can see the evidence of the work of your Holy Spirit in our lives and be challenged by the gift of your word which is inspired by your Holy Spirit. 
So we give you praise, honor, and glory this morning, Father. In the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.